0: To the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast, the podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode twenty-eight of the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mister Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you doing? I'm great, John. Well, good. Well, Tim, it's good to be doing another live episode. I know it's been a while since we've had one of these, but I wanted to go ahead, do another one, maybe cover some of the more recent questions that we've received, and hopefully give our listeners just a little bit of maybe some actual feedback in the whole process of, you know, maybe what they think about our questions and things like that.
0: It can't be any worse than the presidential debates or something <laughs> on TV right now.
1: <laughs> hopefully not. Of course, you know, we don't have all of the, the nice audio editing, you know, that we usually do and all that kind of stuff. But we're glad to be here with you guys tonight. And Tim, before we get started, uh, how you doing? You got any new games? How are things going at the big CEC?
0: Uh, we just, you know, it's always a busy time of year. I've been working on my show I've been putting some new, uh, I installed some LED rope lighting today, which I thought was really cool. A lot of guys, if you have rope lights in your games or game rooms, uh, they do run pretty hot. And if you don't, if they don't chase or flash, they'll burn out. You'll see sections of rope light burn out. Well, I really was excited to put the LED rope lights up there, so they run cool. Plus they're flash and they should last a long time. Sounds good. Well, actually, Tim, I do want to talk about my latest acquisition. I did pick up a
1: police force pinball machine this That's week.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: And uh, I tell you, it's it's my first pinball machine, and I'm very excited to have it. And it's a Williams, 1989. It has the LED displays, not the nice DMDs that we're so used to with the newer style games, Tim. But I'm very excited to have my police force pinball machine. It's going to be a rough restoration. The play pretty worn, but my wife said she wanted to get in there with some paint and see if she could maybe restore it instead of oh, trying nice. to get a whole new play field. So I guess we'll see. Hopefully I can pick up some parts at the Texas Pinball Festival coming up here in, a, here in about a month or so. so. But... So far, I've been having a lot of fun with it, and you know, it's good to have a pinball machine, Tim. Right. I know you've had quite a few. Uh, you have a hook currently, and you've had a Stargate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, any other pinball machines that you want for your collection at some point?
0: Yeah, at some point in time, um, my wife wants a Bad Cats because you know how she likes cats and stuff. Yeah. But um, I, I, if you ever played Star Trek: Next Generation, you know oh, it's yeah. just so fun to play. Eventually, I'd like to see that in my collection. Definitely.
1: Well, Tim, without any further ado, I guess we'll move on to all the questions that we have. And, guys, we should mention that we're not going to do any YouTube questions on this episode of the podcast. We're only going to focus on our website questions. And so, Tim, we have about 15 or so that we've picked out from about – oh, this ranges from about the uh, December, I would say, to January, kind okay. of those two months. And it has a lot more of the newer stuff in here. So hopefully those of you who haven't gotten replies to your questions yet will hear an answer tonight on the podcast. Now, Tim, let's go ahead and start off, and we have Nathan first up, and Nathan says, Hi, I hope you can help me as I'm at my wit's end with this machine. I bought a 1979 Nintendo Space Fever cocktail table a while back, and it was working fine. Sometimes it would be a bit stubborn to get going. Well, I fired it up the other day, and it took nearly an hour to get going. After I got it going, it ran for about an hour, then crashed. Now it will not boot up. It has colored lines on the screen. Someone suggested a possible RAM board issue. I have removed power supply and replaced all the caps, but it still takes ages for all of the voltages to float up. When the voltages do level up, the machine still won't boot. Any help would be great as I really want to get this working again. Many thanks, Nathan. So Tim, we have Nathan here. And Nathan has this... Pretty old nineteen seventy nine Nintendo Space Fever cocktail. This is pre-Donkey Kong. Wow. And so he's saying it's taking some time for the voltages to float up off his power supply. It takes an extremely long time to boot up. What do you think's going on with Nathan's nineteen seventy nine Nintendo Space Fever cabinet?
0: Well, a couple of my first things, you know, we always say the ASAP always start at power. Sure. But it sounds like he's done some of that because he's already uh replaced some caps on his power supply. And he says something a key phrase in there. That when the voltages do get up, that the machine still won't boot. Right. Well, you know, just from just remember what these machines are. They're basically computers. Right. And if I got a computer and the power supply is okay, but it's having boot up issues, then I think the person's right that uh, he had mentioned that he probably does have a RAM error, RAM issue. Yeah, and, uh,
1: it, it could it could be that. Definitely a possible RAM board issue here. He says it gets the color lines on the screen. That's the big key, I think, here, Tim, right. is that he's getting these colored lines on the screen, which means there's something going on with his video output, more than likely. Right. So that's what I'm thinking here. Uh, definitely, like I'm thinking, two could be a RAM board issue. Do you think this is with the monitor, or do you think it's more of a power supply slash board issue? I,
0: I very doubt that it's the monitor, because it does eventually, it sounds like come on occasionally. Right. So, you know, monitors most of the time they 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 either start going bad and they have issues, they start wobbling, or they have lines or something, but they hardly ever work great or not work. You know, right. that's that's not a very good monitor issue. But, but he could check a few things. You know, you can uh, turn up the brightness and make sure, or he could do our check-the-tube test that we talked about if he wanted to eliminate that. But you know, most that's why we always tell people we. For one of the first questions we ask somebody does it play blind? Right. Well, obviously his doesn't, uh, so we definitely would think that it probably be more than the power supply or his. But if his voltages are good, then we're probably looking at a board a, board issue for sure.
1: Okay, well, Nathan, hopefully that answers your question. It does sound to me and Tim like you're having more of a board issue here. Probably need to check that RAM board, like you mentioned in your email. Get back with us. Let us know how it's going. Now, Tim, before we go on to the next question, I do want to say hi to all of our people who are in the chat. Uh, right now we only have a response from one, but, mm-hmm. uh, we, if you guys are listening to this, we definitely want you to join us in our chat room. If you're listening to us on the Spreaker app or if you're listening to us on the website, there's a little button that you can click, and it looks like a little thought bubble, Tim. Okay. Click on that, and you can actually sign up to get in our chat room. And we'd love to hear some feedback from you, especially on the different answers that we're giving to tonight's questions. Or if and I have a stuff. question,
0: we'll stop and take one live. Definitely, yeah.
1: Probably kind of in between a couple of questions. We'll do a couple of questions here and a couple of questions from the chat and things like that. So if you want to get your question in, go ahead, get in the chat room. For on the Spreaker app or on the Spreaker website and we'll get them in as we can. Now, Tim, let's move on to Andras. I guess that's how you say that, okay. Andras. And he says, Hi, today I found videos, your videos on YouTube. So nice, keep up the good work. A few weeks back, I bought a Bally X's and O's pinball from 1984. I really like these machines. When I was young, I spent a lot of money on them. It's a working piece with a few errors. Only the head glass is missing, but the mechanical parts look good. Now I need to study on how I can repair it because this is my first pinball. So first, I'm gonna stop here, Tim, and say congratulations to Andras on his right. first pinball machine. It's <laughs> you know always that, very, oh, I know, I had it this week. So okay. it's always very exciting to get your first pinball machine. Let's continue on with his email here, Tim. He says, now I went into the self-test and I know what is what on it. I already downloaded the manual for it, and it's a big help, but it's saying air 15, which means tilt. But the tilt looks good. All the wires are okay, the hanging weight is not touching the ring, and all the switches are open. What can be the problem? What should I check first? I changed the fuses and checked the wire connections. I attached a picture of the tilt mechanism. I hope it should look like this. Thanks for any help or any ideas on how to save this machine. After all, it's older than my girlfriend.
0: Have Uh a nice day.
1: Andras from Hungary. From Hungary, Tim. So another right. international listener. We yeah. love our international listeners. So uh, Andras, we're glad to have you as a listener over there in Hungary. But Tim,
0: sounds like he's having some tilt issues with this belly accent. Uh, maybe balance. older than his girlfriend, but it's not older than me. So. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, you know, I did look at his picture, Johnson, and it do, he's right. It does look correct. Yes. And, uh, you know, a couple things that I was looking at the picture real close was seeing if the tilt bob was touching metal or something So, he evidently has a, it's got to be in his wiring somewhere. Sure. Um, So, I would disconnect the switch, or he could try to, um, like, if the switch, um, he could play with the wires with the switch is where I would start. Right. But, you know, it's not too far-fetched to say it could be a board like a chip. Right. You know, all chips are, are gates that open and close, just like switches. Many little gates inside. So if a chip gets stuck in the wrong place, and correct me if I'm, I'm right here or wrong, Jonathan, what happens there is you could have a chip that's bad yeah. that could re-wrong and cause that. Sure. So I'm not sure exactly which um what chip that would be on that type of game. But I do know that on our Facebook page... There's a a there's a link to uh, pinball help, yeah, and that may they may be able to help him a little bit further. But it you know most of the time when it's a tilt issue, it's a wiring issue somewhere. Okay, so he could check with continuity, make see if it's grounding, make sure his switch is working. So a meter would help, and at this point, it's where I would start. Okay, Tim. Well, have you ever played Bally X's and O's? I'm just curious. You know, it seems like I've like. I've seen it maybe somewhere, like at pinball festival or something. So probably yes. Do I really? I remember it? No, not really. I don't really remember much about it. Sure. Well, you know, it's not... but I mean, you know, they're kind of all the same. Sure. So I mean, I mean, the to tilt extent, mechanisms
1: are pretty pretty standard. It seems like on all pinball machines.
0: Right. So I'm guessing it's either wiring or something wrong with his board, and so he needs to in his manual. I would trace the wiring all the way back from the tilt bob uh, or from the tilt switch to his board. Make sure that there's no breaks or nothing, you know. uh, I mean, I've seen strange stuff on a pinball game. One thing I've I've had happen to me, similar, is working on pinball games, I drop solder down in there. and, And you can have two points touching that you never could... Uh dream would ever have any business touching right things like that um or some good places to start since he has a manual that will help him uh to try to track it down and um i mean if he's got the schematics, he might contrast uh track down what chip it is too. But um well, it's that that's a pretty tough one cuz his picture does look correct. Now let me let me ask you this, is there a way that he could bypass the tilt perhaps just to see if maybe his board is working properly? Right. That's the problem with that is the tilt is usually when it's grounded like in other words, if I wanted to bypass a st- a button, I'd just push them together and it would fire all the time. Right. Well, this the tilt works the opposite. In other words, you don't want it to make contact. Right. So, yes, in my opinion, uh he should be able to find the tilt wire and cut it. Right. If he cut the wire even way back coming off the board, that way it's not able to make contact, that that could do it. Okay. So that's just a good thing to note is that if he
1: wanted to test to see if it was his tilt mechanism or his board, he might be able to just, like you said, cut a wire and then disconnect the tilt sensor from the board and see if it's still giving him that tilt. Yeah, or or disconnect
0: it, take it from the board, uh, take it out of of, uh, circuit. Because what's happening is he's getting a contact that's saying, I'm tilting. Right. And he's getting that error. So if there's a bad switch, just unhook your switch.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's good advice, Tim. I think Andras will definitely benefit from that advice. Hopefully, he's listening tonight, and he can he can get that and hopefully take care of his issue with his X's and O's pinballs. So, Andras, hopefully answers your question, and good luck with getting this machine repaired. I'm in the process right now, like I said, Tim, of, of doing some repairs to my own, so I know where he's at on this. Hopefully, he can get that working, and his girlfriend, who is not as old as the pinball machine, will All at least right. be able to enjoy it. Okay Tim, we'll move on to Hayden now, and Hayden says, hey there Tim, I've got, I've recently received a Miss Pac-Man Upright for Christmas. It was converted to Miss Pac-Man from Pac-Man with the Super Miss Pac-Man hack, and I just today installed a 96-in-1 multi-pack in it. It's running great other than two problems. The first problem is that sometimes the picture starts to wobble and shake until the screen finally shuts itself off. It usually does this after you leave it off for a while, and smacking the side of it causes it to wobble more. Now, Tim, that's the exact opposite of what usually happens when you smack the stuff, right? right. Doesn't it usually fix it? Anyway, I'm thinking it may have something to do with the power supply. The second problem is a moving curl to the right side of the screen. I'll enclose a short video of this happening in the email and would really appreciate it if you could recommend me something to try and fix it. By the way, the monitor inside is a Wells Garner K7200. Thanks for everything, Hayden. So, Tim, we have Hayden here, and he's got his first... Pac-Man game. His first game, it sounds like. Okay. Okay, and he, he's got it for Christmas, and he's trying to get it working. Install the 96 and one Seems like it's working pretty good, except we're having a little bit of shaky screen. We're having a little bit of curl. What do you think's going on with his Wells Garner 7200?
0: Well, one thing I would like to know, um, does this happen with both boards? In other words, does this happen with the 96? Is the 96 and one I'm not familiar with this, Johnson. Is this 96 and one a separate board? Or is it like an addition to it? Do you know? I don't know for
1: sure. I don't know if he's actually putting like a ROM hack on it with the 96 and one or if he actually installed a separate board. Right. I'm not that familiar because with it Because I
0: do know that there are some issues with some of those, um, like the 60 and ones and stuff, working with certain monitor brands and things. They'll give you some errors that you just can't fix. Right. Or th- Not that I know of. But when I looked at his picture it did look like that uh, maybe a bad filter cap okay uh you know was causing a little curl and stuff so i mean if he for sure if he hasn't done a cap kit yet that'd be a the- uh, the best place to start right, right off the bat.
1: Yeah, and I agree. With, I agree with you, Tim. I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's it's almost good. He's just getting a little wobble, a little shake. A lot of times, those curl, that curl mm-hmm. that you get, though, unless it's with the Go7. Go7s have the little fix right. They that have you a little do. hack that you can, or a little fix for that. But considering he's got a Wells Garner 7200 here, probably more of a filter cap somewhere that's causing that curl. I'm with you. So probably something that he needs to do first is install that cap kit and see if it gets rid right of the curl and maybe even the wobble. Right. So anything else that you can tell Hayden? as far as going about fixing this, Tim?
0: Yeah, I would just be really interested, since I'm not very familiar with the 96-in-1 multi-pack, if, I would like to know if that's a separate board, which I don't think it is. It's probably, like you said, it's probably a ROM that you put on there. Right. Uh, I would like to know if he could take it back and see if the problem is or was before he did the or after that. Right, Sometimes if he could you, maybe go back to the Super Miss
1: Pac-Man hack that yeah. he had before and see it. Yeah, I'm with you there and see if it, it does Because it kind of sounds
0: thing. like a new issue, but maybe not. Maybe I'm reading it wrong, you know.
1: There you go. So, well, he just got for Christmas, so he hasn't had the game that long. And he's true. already. It sounds like he's already done a lot to it, considering he installed the 96-in-1 and everything. So okay, he's obviously so yeah. already
0: invested a little bit into so it. So it probably was already like that. Right. Yeah, for sure. Let's start off with a cap kit. Uh, it's probably one of the small, like 100 microfarons, just a small cap. But, you know, might as well do them all, all while you're in there.
1: Sounds good. So, Hayden, hopefully that answers your question. You know, do a cap kit on your Wells seventy two hundred. 200 Come back to us. Let us know if you're still experiencing the wobbles, shaking the curl, and hopefully we can help you out further with that. Now, Tim, we'll go ahead and check with the chat room. It looks like nobody's posted anything so far, so we'll continue on with our website questions that we've got. Well, Josh said hi. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there you go. What's up, Josh? Hey, what's up, Josh? So if anybody else is out there, you guys want to join the chat, get some of your questions in, feel free to do that. But until then, we'll go ahead and move on to Jack. And Jack says, hello, I recently got an Asteroids cocktail from a friend and it needs some care. I searched online and found you, so I hope you can help. The machine is in great working order, but the monitor is a, needs a little TLC. The bullets appear on the screen, but not the ship or the Asteroids. The game is playing and the audio works great. The monitor seems to fade over time as well. I had an Asteroids Upright in college many, many years ago and I had to give it away because the monitor went out. I'm so glad to have another machine, but I'm a little too nervous to work on it myself because the caps hold such a charge and I don't really know what I'm doing. I bet the problem is a fuse or something simple, but even though I studied electrical engineering, it was all DSP so I'm useless on these boards. Can you please help? Do you know of someone I can hire in the San Francisco Bay Area? Thanks, Jack." So, Tim, we have Jack here, and he's got an Asteroids cocktail. He's an electrical engineer, apparently. Right. And he's just having some issues with his game. Now, he thinks it's a fuse or something simple, Tim. Do you think it's a fuse or something simple?
0: Not but based on what he was saying. Not that it's hard. I just don't think it's a fuse. Yeah, and I'm um, with you there. You know, I mean, typically, you're...
1: when we have fuses, we've got parts that are out, like my monitor's right. not working, my board's not getting power, things like that. The, this is so specific. The fact that he says he can see bullets, but he can't see the ship, he can't see the asteroids, really sounds more like a board issue. Yeah,
0: right? and you know, it's funny, because I can remember back in the day, uh, it seemed like that happened in Asteroids when I was playing the arcade, and we, <laughs> and it's like we played it like that for weeks before we could ever get the guy to work on it. It seemed like, it, you know, there is board air, I mean, there's board... Uh, chips and stuff on there, he probably needs to uh, look at our page and find one of the links and talk to some of the guys that do board repair. Right. Um, Now,
1: I am familiar with the Asteroids Troubleshooting Encyclopedia on ionpool.net, Tim,
0: which has a lot of
1: good information for people who have Asteroids Arcade Machines. And I'll post that link in the show notes so everybody can see it. But um, if you do a search for ionpool.net and Asteroids, it should come up. And it has some great information about pretty much every aspect of asteroids. It sure does. You know, from just the board issues, the video fixes, reset fixes, and things like that. And I would refer, I would refer Jack here to that page, iampool.net. Check out the Asteroids Repair Encyclopedia. That should really help you out a lot. Yeah,
0: in fact, I. I've fixed several asteroids with that that page's help before, so.
1: Yeah, so we'll post that in the show notes for this. And those of you who are listening live, or if you're not listening live, this episode will be posted on iTunes here in a couple of days once we get everything together and all the links together and all that good stuff. So, you know, you can listen to it later if you need to. But when, you, when we uh, do, do the update on our page make sure that you look for that link jack and it should help you out quite a bit but tim overall thinking board issue here
0: yeah probably so
1: okay now what do you think about power supply do you think we might be having some power supply issues as well
0: it wouldn't hurt to check cuz we always say start at there start there right, right. and uh, in the, and he did mention that his monitor seems to get a little dimmer well yeah there's in that um definitely on that page it'll tell him some stuff to do with that but there's some voltage regulators that he par- Probably could change out.
1: Now, he says something interesting about how the caps can hold such a charge, and that's why he's nervous to work on these right. games. There's only one cap in that game that I think could really be dangerous, and oh, that's the, the big, big blue. blue.
0: Well, the monitor has some up there, I, and but but seriously, you know, I mean, we've proven pretty much that it, even if you get shocked, it's. I always tell people it's kind of like when you're scraping your feet across the carpet and you touch somebody, it does hurt very temporary very not not a very long lasting effect unless you have the game on right stuff like that or you're just you know sticking your tongue in the anode hole or something <laughs> crazy but you know i mean for the most part it's really not you know people make it out like oh there's no i never heard of a reported death instance uh anything like that so yeah so Jack shouldn't be too afraid to get in there if he wants to, even though right. it's a cocktail
1: cabinet in this particular case. If
0: he plugs any kind of uh, electronic appliance into a wall, he's got just about as much chance right there. So, <laughs> okay. You know, if he if he can do that, he can probably work on his game. Sounds good. So Jack, hopefully that answers your question. Now
1: Timmy also asked if we know anybody in the San Francisco Bay Area who works on games. We don't, but probably one of the best places to find somebody would be California Extreme. Yes. And I don't know that's coming up this summer. I'm not sure exactly the dates. We'll announce that when we get closer to it. But it seems like a lot of collectors in the California area all kind of, you know, conglomerate around California Extreme.
0: Or he could go to one of Captain Jack's auctions. Yeah, that's there right. They're in California. And uh, sometimes, we may talk a, lot, a little bit about this in discussion, sometimes the best place to find help, I remember, was just us going to different auctions and listening around some of the guys talk shop. Mm-hmm. It's true, yeah, because mm-hmm. a lot of those guys, you know, been
1: around the arcade business for 20, 30 years, know what they're talking about, and can really give you some great advice on how to fix your games. So definitely, Tim, I'm with you. I think that that would be a great place for him to start out. But just in Jack's particular case, I would say California Extreme, though, if he can get there. Oh, sure. I, know, I know it's it might be a drive. I'm not as sure exactly the distance from San Francisco to there is. But, Look,
0: man, we, it ain't as big as Texas now. We go all <laughs> over the state, so.
1: You better not say that. California people might be listening right now. Well, but. it's not as
0: big as Texas <laughs>
1: There you go. You
0: got, that, that, most of California is nothing. You know, <laughs> just unpopulated, and then there's some the mountains, and then everybody, li- all 10 million of them live in one area. Have you ever been have you ever <laughs> been
1: in West Texas, though? Yeah, Not that's a whole true. lot out there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pretty empty out there. But anyway, so for the most part here, it really sounds like Jack's issue is going to be in his borders power supply. needs to check that out, and if he needs to find some techs, probably wait till the summer, go to California Extreme, see if he
0: can get with some other collectors there. Right. Post on the KLV form, so he might yeah. get, might have some luck or our Facebook page.
1: Yeah, I mean, somebody on the Facebook page also might be from California. I'm sure we have a lot on there. But, uh, yeah, definitely another route for him to go to find some more help. Okay, Tim, let's move to Brandon. Now, Brandon says, Hello, guys. My name is Brandon, and I'm having an issue with my monitor. It is a Wells Garner K7400 series monitor inside of a Mortal Kombat 4 cabinet and it is capped okay so Tim before we before we start anything he's done the cap we're not
0: gonna recommend the cap cap (laughs) that's
1: right the number the first step is already complete let's continue on here though he says the problem I'm having is squiggly lines that go up and down the screen sometimes they disappear momentarily but always reoccur I have tried adjusting the screen and focus knobs on the flyback running a jumper from the monitor chassis to the power supply ground for possible electrical interference and nothing has done a bit of difference thus far I will leave you a link with some footage of the problem that I had posted on a YouTube a few days ago. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks, guys. So Tim, he did give us a YouTube video link. Did you have a chance to look at that YouTube video?
0: Yeah, I looked at it, and uh, you know, he really Brandon, you did a great job as far as you know. If you would have just said I'm having squiggly lines, I would. There, you did a lot of the things I would have kind of down my checklist of stuff, uh, but just based on what you shot showed us, you know, there could be some interference. Uh, You might try to see how close your speakers are. I know there's a couple cabinets that are real bad about that. We have one Uh, showcase cabinet Chuck E. Cheese is like that.
1: Before you continue on, we do have a great story about speakers and arcade cabinets coming up at the end of the podcast near the discussion section. Okay. So everybody, stay tuned for that. I always like to tease something, Tim, (laughs) because it keeps people listening. Okay. So I'm going to tease that right now. If you want to hear a good story about speakers and arcade games, wait till the end of the podcast. We'll tell you all about it. Now, Tim, let's get back here. And, you know, it really sounds like Brandon might have some issues with his monitor. It really right. sounds like more of a monitor yeah, it's issue. Yeah,
0: definitely a monitor issue, especially after looking at it. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you could have a bad power supply, like some, causing some interference and stuff. Those are things that, you know, he sounds like he's done so much, you start trying to just eliminate everything. Right. I've even seen, this is going to sound crazy, but I've seen bad fluorescent lights cause issues.
1: That's right. we talked about that before on the podcast. And so,
0: no kidding, I would unplug or take the light out uh, and see if something like that helps. Right. Now, okay, we but, also
1: we also talked, though, you know, you said power supplied in general. What about the power supply section of his monitor chassis? Yeah,
0: now, now we're getting to where our... If I had to lay money or bet on, I think he's having a B plus voltage issue. Okay,
1: so on on the chassis yeah, itself. Yeah,
0: he needs to check his B plus voltage, and if it ha- sometimes they have a pot there, you know, right. I'm not sure if that one that one does. I'm thinking it does. Anyway, you might need to adjust the B plus voltage.
1: Now I know a lot of seven thousand series monitors also have a resistor. That also does control some of that and can go bad. And so there might be an issue with that resistor as well.
0: Right. And uh I can't
1: think of the number off offhand. Not like last, last podcast right <laughs> the C thirty five came to me really quick. This time right? I'm still I'm still kind of thinking.
0: So, you know, if he's asking, you know, and we say stuff sometimes, Jonathan, I'm not sure everybody you know, you never know everybody's skill level. Sure. We're talking about the power supply section. Just look for where the cord comes in and near the flyback in that area, right, That's right. there. That's
1: where your high voltage is. Yeah.
0: Yes. Even though you did replace the caps, there are some resistors. Resistors or some diodes in that area, but his resistors in that uh, B plus voltage may just need to be adjusted just a little bit. But also look for outside interference. Um, you know, we had a game that uh, near the air conditioner seemed like it would do crazy stuff. So. Yeah.
1: Definitely. So, Brandon, we're really thinking you still do have a monitor issue even though you've done the adjustments and the cap kit, but probably more in the power supply section of your chassis rather than just general caps. And I
0: want to make sure, too, you know, a lot of this is just talking from experience, guys. Uh, I would make sure that it's grounded good. I would also check a different plug in your house. Yeah. Uh, We had, I was working on a... um, a Tempest one time and I could not figure out what was wrong with it and this was on a brand new house and the uh, plug to, to there wasn't grounded or some, they'd messed up something in the they had several issues wow. uh, in that whole side of the house. We moved to the other side of the room and it was fine.
1: <laughs> That's crazy, though. So,
0: just you know, just, there's just some things I'm throwing out that I've seen before. So they got,
1: like, um, Harry the Discount Electrician to come out and wire their house or know. something <laughs> like that. About but... a
0: million dollar house. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I don't know who, who did it, but uh <laughs> looked like I did it. I don't know. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, hopefully, hopefully that answers Brandon's question here, Tim. I mean, Mortal Kombat 4, I had one of those. It's a great game. But it does really sound like something more in the power supply section of the monitor. Like Tim's mentioned, check the B-plus voltage. Check some of the parts around where your cord comes in and your flyback. See how all those work. Test them and see if there's anything bad there. Hopefully we can get that... Back to normal or whatever it's supposed to be at, and that will solve yeah, the problem. keep
0: us informed. I'd really like to know when he finds a solution. I think he will right um you know, we're just, just throwing throwing out some ideas right now, but when you find out, let us know, maybe we can we'll add that to the top uh, of the my top five things to check next time. <laughs> there you go sounds
1: good tim well tim let's we'll take a moment here just to check back with the chat, and it seems like we don't have a whole lot of chat. People out there, we're gonna have to time these things a little bit better to yeah. do live podcast, But it's still, we're still having fun. We're still having a good time broadcasting live and everything. We're getting so. a
0: podcast done, right? That's so. right. And I don't well, have to edit it. That's yeah. the good news because oh, we're doing man. it live. Oh, oh, wait. We're, we're not. You can't edit this. I can't I, edit. I have to so, watch what I say. Then. That's right.
1: Whatever you say goes on the air. And I think I usually put the clean tag on our stuff. I'm just warning you okay, right okay. now. So I'm not adding an explicit tag for you this time. Tim. No explicit. <laughs> you tag. don't have
0: to worry about that for me. I'm just. <laughs> I'm more likely to say something stupid. (laughs) Okay, well... Like the stuff that you normally edit out that nobody hears. (laughs) That's right. I'm gonna, you know...
1: Yeah, people don't realize that we actually record four hours of the podcast, (laughs) Right. right? But it only gets cut to three, so I'm not... Tim's usually pretty good, and usually I don't have to cut too much. We're usually... Pretty, pretty good with the recording as they come off we do i do listen to all of them all the way through just to make sure but it's nice to do a live podcast every so often tim just to get away from the editing and to have more relaxed atmosphere right say. but with that said tim let's move on and we've got claire next and claire says i have a little hustler billiards arcade table when i plug it in it comes up with a solid color screen squares and zeros or triangles of different colors I came on, it came on once because my brother just started hitting it and eventually it came on but kept going back to crazy screens. Also, the counter inside the machine keeps ticking over quite quickly. The red reset button or coin override button doesn't do anything. Any idea on what could be causing these problems? I've opened it up, vacuumed the inside, dusted it, and looked at it, but that's about all I know to do and that's not enough to fix it. I'm comfortable taking computers keyboards, and toys apart, but I have no clue what to do here. Any suggestions? I'd really appreciate it. Thanks, Claire. Okay. So, Tim, we have Claire here, and it sounds like they're just having a little bit of problems with this little Hustler Billiards arcade game. Not familiar with it. I've never heard of it or anything like that. But it's getting these crazy screens, and it sounds like, you know, her brother was able to get it working just by kicking the darn thing a million times, <laughs> right. and they got it to come up once, but that was about it. So it sounds like, Tim, you know, maybe some shorting, maybe? What do you think?
0: Yeah, the way... Anytime you're able to bump or hit something, and it works for a second, a lot of times you'll have cold solder joints. Um, you, you know, here, here's... And and I, I want to throw this tip out. A lot of people say, well, how do I know what's a cold solder joint? How do I know which ones? Well, here's one good way I've learned... Everybody should know by now what the Molex connector or some kind of connector is. Yeah. You know how sometimes you'll see them, they're starting to turn brown? Right. Well, that's from heat. Okay. So that, on the other side of that connector, that solder joint could probably be bad. So if you see any uh, connections, also, they need to check the connections on this game and make sure, it, surprising how many games seems like you get you can fix when you just refresh a connection. The pins get oxidized and so forth. But um, I'm very, I am very—I would like to see a picture at least of this because I'm not familiar. It sounds almost like they're talking about a, a Toys R Us type game that you would buy uh, that had some kind of digital displays or something like well, you, that. You know, it
1: says arcade table. Right. And when I plug it in, it comes up with a solid color screen. So this is obviously something that has a screen and a, a color table. I mean, we know at least that much about it. Don't know much else about it, Tim. I don't know if it's from Toys R Us like you're saying, but well, it seems like it's coin-operated because she also says it has Oh, that's true. It has the coin mechanism in the, okay, the counter. Okay, yeah, and
0: we want to go that it says the counter is clicking well, the way that the counter works, the only way a counter can work, it has to have voltage. Right. Usually, either five or twelve volts. So, if it's getting constant voltage, it will click like that. Gotcha. Generally, there is a um, when your switch is triggered, it just sends a quick voltage in the meantime. So, your switch is probably stuck. Okay. But be my be my guess. Okay. So that's, I would check the switch. So
1: you can, you're can, you basically saying that something in the counter, the reason why it keeps clicking is because there's like a... It's a, getting constant voltage. Right, so it just keeps clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking. She mentions that the red reset button or coin override button doesn't do anything. So what do you think? You think that's like a grounding issue or you think they're just not hooked up? Or could it be related that, to the to the coin counter? It
0: could be related in the fact that the, the switch is stuck. It's just going to keep on, and it probably coins up like, well, it probably maxes out at 10 credits or 20 credits. Claire, really send me a picture of this thing. I may have, um, okay.
1: We actually have a picture of the little hustler up right now. It looks like it was a arcade game made by Dynamo, of okay. all people. The, the pool company, the pool right. table company okay. that makes coin-operated pool tables. And uh, very interesting, you know, it just looks like a regular nineteen inch classic game. I mean nothing special about it too much, but uh, very interesting. Never heard of it before. But there you go, Tim. Right. So it sounds like that's what she's got.
0: Okay, I see it. Now now, you know, it's kind, it's kinda of looking familiar too. It seems like we played that at an auction sometime, but um I see what it is. It's I don't know if she has a cocktail version or what, but um it, the way it's going to different screens like that, I would check the connector and connector to the main board. Okay. In other words, and the power and make yeah, sure that course. the voltage and all that is good. But, um, yeah, after looking at it, I'm, I'm thinking that probably just a bad connection on the main... The big harness that connects to the main board, I would turn the game off, reconnect that. You know, it's funny. We had a game the other day, and people... Asked me before, do you really clean those with a pencil eraser? And I'm like, yeah, we do. So you take where the connector plugs in, take a good eraser and clean it. It gets a lot of that oxidized like stuff off of there and then reconnect it. And that may help. She needs to check her voltage too.
1: Sounds good. So, Claire, hopefully that answers your question. Hopefully, we can get this little hustler game working really well and everything will be good with it. It really sounds like you said, Tim, probably like there's a short or some power issues or something like that happening here.
0: It's got to be a pretty a rare job. game. <laughs> yeah, I don't well, know. I, I don't mean. remember it, so. <laughs> you don't remember it? <laughs> no. If I don't remember it, it's rare. Of course, right? I don't remember what I ate for dinner three hours ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I bet you maybe. can remember
1: every arcade that was probably in your so. hometown arcade game. room. You going to start oh, listening I can them remember right? that. <laughs> <laughs> Pac-Man, Galaga, <laughs> and keep going, right? Right.
0: But it's one of those things. Asteroids yeah. that didn't. you couldn't see the ship on. Oh yeah,
1: that's right. That's that's challenging asteroids. Yes, it Tim. was My definitely bad. challenging. The challenging asteroids. But anyway, so Claire hopefully that answers your question. It sounds like you are going to need to check your power, check for shorts in your game like Tim mentioned, check some connectors to make sure the connectors are connected well, and then just, you know, kind of go over it with a fine-tooth comb I'd say, you know, inspect right. the wires, inspect, you know, make sure there's no frayed areas and things like that and hopefully by doing all that kind of stuff you can get this thing up and running. Now Tim, she says she doesn't mind taking computers or keyboards or toys apart. This should be really no different. Right. Just needs apart.
0: to take a, make sure it's unplugged or turned off for sure. I highly recommend you unplug it. Uh So you want to take that connector off, clean it real good and try that. I think that it could fix her problem. She might need to tweak the voltage. I'm not sure. I bet you that thing has a switcher in it that's adjustable. Uh, I don't know if she, what her skill level is, if she can, uh, but she has access to a multimeter that will help her to make sure the voltages are okay.
1: Sounds good. So, Claire, hopefully, we've answered your question.
0: Try what Tim said, and hopefully,
1: we can get this little hustler arcade game back up and working soon. Okay, Tim, well, we got some more questions here. Let's go to Rick. And Rick says, Hi there, I just found your site, and you mentioned breaking and entering is one of your specialties. And Tim, it is, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, don't don't tell our parole
0: officers. (laughs) There you go. We definitely have broken into a lot of games.
1: (laughs) That's right. Well, anyway, he says, I have a universal cocktail cabinet space panic. When I bought it, it was slightly intermittent. In other words, sometimes the screen would show a load of rubbish and you had to turn it off and back on again, maybe a couple of times. Now, since I've moved houses, even after trying several times, I never got back to the proper screen. Also, a loud buzz got stuck on the speaker. What is worse is that I've discovered I lost the key. It opened both the cash box and the unit itself. I cannot find a video about getting in. Is there a way that I can do this without damaging the key? It's like a round bike lock key. Okay. Also, a friend said perhaps I should hoover the inside while using a soft brush. He said it's a good place to start with old circuits as loads of dust can cause power to arc. I also heard that you have to be careful of doing this because of static. I live in Brighton, UK, so obviously I can't bring the machine to look at for you to look at, but I'd really appreciate any help you can give me online. I love playing this game, and so did my 6-year-old son. I hope we can get it back working soon. Thanks, Rick.
0: Well, he said he couldn't bring it to us, but we can fly out there That's if right. his fences are covered.
1: So if he wants to, if he wants to, uh, if he wants to send us there, he definitely can. Yeah. <laughs>
0: now, now he says he doesn't, but basically, it's kind of a two-part question. He's got a problem, but he can't get to anything because he can't get in there. Right. Okay. Well, you know, there's a couple ways, um, but. You know the kind he's talking about—the barrel lock. Right. I mean that's a security lock, uh-huh. and so um, he's not going to probably be able to get a locksmith or anybody to pick that. So can he do it without damaging the the key? He said, but I think he's talking about the lock. Right. And my my opinion is no. I don't think he can either. I was that's thinking okay. I mean, they're, unless it has some kind of sentimental value, I mean you're going to have to drill that lock out right. to get to in there. Then just replace it. Right. Even in the U.K., they're not going to be more than $10. Right. Uh, you know, even our local hardware stores carry a lock that will work. Yeah, for just a, a normal
1: cabinet lock. But, that of course, you can order
0: one from many places. Bob Roberts, arcade shop, places like that. Sure. So now, or even eBay online.
1: Now it sa- sounds like it's not working though, Tim. Now it was working fine, and then, or kind of intermittent, I right. guess he says. Not really fine, but intermittent.
0: But it's off and on from the beginning, and then they moved, and now he's getting nothing but a buzz. Correct. Well, most of the time when that happens, it's, it just sounds like his main connector is not connected good. Right. And a lot of times you're getting buzz because you're not getting any board power to the speakers or anything. They're just getting power. Right and uh or you know so he definitely we won't know anything till he gets in there right but he definitely needs to drill out the lock now uh he said he couldn't find a video about that we do have one and i think it's in installing a, a coin lock installing a coin lock or
1: yeah a coin door okay. lock or something like right.
0: that right so we'll reference that and hopefully help him out a little bit there so we do have a video that shows what we do and we drill one out basically what you want to do is you want to get a drill bit that's about the size of that uh, round hole that you're going to have to drill out. You're just going to keep drilling until it goes all the way through. Once you break through, it should take you a couple minutes. Right. Uh, the lock will fall open, and you can open it up.
1: Yeah, sounds good. To now, like you said, it does take a couple of minutes, though.
0: Yeah. And now, as good far bit.
1: as as far as the size of drill bit that we need to go with, what size of the drill bit do we need to go with?
0: We well, need to get at least probably a quarter inch. Um, but like I said, he can base it on, you don't want one too big, but you want one about the size of that inner round circle of your lock. Right. So, you know... Um, you know, about the size of your pinky. Okay. Pretty good, pretty good size drill bit.
1: Now, once he gets in there, what should Rick look for? I mean, obviously about fixing this. Now lock.
0: he needs to check his connectors. Just like we talked about earlier, he needs to make sure the main connector is good uh, it you know when you move stuff and bump, it sounds like he kind of having to bump it anyway. Right. Uh, make sure his board is secure and so forth. And he needs to check his suppo- check his uh, power and his power supply. And make sure all that's okay. Okay. But I, but I bet you anything, it's just a, some loose connections or needs to be reconnected.
1: Okay. So sounds good. So you just think he needs to he just needs to reconnect everything once he gets in there. Now, of course, always start at power, like we were mentioning right. before. Unless the power, power supply, supply or
0: something just decided it, it's time to go. Yeah. We, we wouldn't know till we get in there.
1: It sounds good. So hopefully, Rick answers your question. Now, Tim, we should mention again that Rick is another one of our international listeners from All the right. UK, and it's always good to have you guys on there. I've actually been to London, Tim. So oh yeah, wow, it's kind of okay. a, kind of a good experience. Maybe sometime when I'm over there, I can I can. I went to
0: Paris one time.
1: <laughs> there you go, Paris, Paris Texas. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, maybe mm-hmm. next time we maybe sometime we can go over there, Tim, and have a pint with some oh, of these that guys. Would be you know cool. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, there you go. So, Rick, hopefully, answers your question, and good luck getting this Space Panic to work. Tim, are you familiar with Space Panic at all? Universal game?
0: Uh, you no, I'm not very familiar with it. Seems like I kind of remember it, but um, no, I don't. It's been a, been such a, a pretty good while back. I don't I don't remember that game.
1: Okay. Well, that's okay. You know, I, we'll have to play it sometime. Boot up the main cabinet. We'll, yeah. we'll We'll play it a little bit. So, but, Rick, hopefully, answers your question, and good luck with your repair.
0: Well, I think that's fun when we when we play Mame, people say why do you have a Mame around because it's fun when to i never heard played that game and then go out there and play it
1: especially for us since we've got all these people asking us questions about these different games that some of them we've played some of them we haven't and you know it's really interesting to go out there and play some of these games you know i mean there's also games that you discover at like a show such as hag or texas pinball festival and you think you've got to play this game you've actually done that before you went to hag one year And I forgot what the game was. Maybe it was Reactor or something like that. And you're like, Jonathan, you need to play this game. You booted it up on MAME. It almost played the same. Right. So, I mean, it's nice to have a MAME around so you can do things like that. Now, Tim, we have a question in the chat from Josh. And he says, I have a question. I was working on my bill acceptor, and I adjusted some dip switches to adjust how I wanted it to accept impulse. Now it won't accept any bills at all. Any ideas? I have the manual and I adjusted everything correctly, but no matter what, it won't accept any bills. I also have a problem with my quarter slot. If I hit the cherry switch on the slot, it won't clean up. I have it grounded and I have it wired correctly. The connections are even soldered on. Any ideas why it wouldn't be reading this? I got a multimeter and checked in and checked out. Fine. So, Tim, we have Josh here, and his first question is about a bill acceptor. He's okay. saying that it won't take his bills. he adjusted the zip switches and nothing. So what does Josh need to do to get his bill acceptor up and running again?
0: Okay, well was it working before he did the dip switch settings? Uh maybe maybe he he says answer Josh if you can. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a good question. Don't know if it was or not. He doesn't mention it in the question, Tim, but apparently he wants it to, you know, accept certain things and pulse a certain number of times, you know, uh-huh. whenever he inserts well, the bill. Sure. And whatever he did that it's obviously not working for some reason. Well, it was working.
0: Okay. So, you know, that's one way that I troubleshoot stuff. In other words, Something I did <laughs> caused it not to work. <laughs> but one thing, Josh, you got to remember, any time you adjust a dip switch, make sure the game is off. That is key. Okay? If you did it when the game was on, what you need to do is shut it back off and reset the dips to where they were. Right. See if you can kind of get back to where you were. Right. Then turn the game off and try to do it again. Make sure that, um, that you do that. Now, not sure what... Um, what kind of bill acceptor you have either. So, Josh, right. let us know, is it a Mars acceptor or what brand is it? Because um, we probably try to, need to try to find a manual. There are some; Those bill acceptors come with thicker manuals than like a monitor or something. Or would. even a game, right? Yeah, or even a game. Wow. So when we find out what kind, we'll download, because there's a lot of troubleshooting guides on there, I'm not, and we also need to figure out what his dip switches mean. Now he says
1: it was a Mars VFM2-L1.
0: Okay, well they're still in business. Oh, okay. So you know that would be something good. As far as I know, they're still around, and uh, very common. See, I just Josh, I haven't worked on one of those in so long. That's the first thing I would do is pull up a manual for it.
1: Well, Chuck E. Cheese went to All Games One Token how long ago now, Tim? And yeah, I guess pretty, ever since then, you guys have never had bill acceptors pretty, in there.
0: Pretty, Well, you know, yeah, we don't have them in the games, but we do have uh, bill acceptors in the token machine.
1: Oh, yeah, that's correct.
0: So we do deal with them. Now, a lot of times, Josh, if it just won't take, uh, take any at all, um, sometimes they just get really dirty up in there. Yeah. And they have sensors and stuff up in there. And if they, they read dirt in other words, what makes it, how does it work? In other words, why, why couldn't I just cut out some pieces of cardboard and stick them in there and get some tokens, right? <laughs> I tried. It didn't right. work. <laughs> exactly. So a lot of times, just from fiddling with it, something could get stuck down up in there or blocking that sensor. So um, most Mars, I think, Josh, if I remember right, you kind of push a little thing in at the bottom and it'll pull out and you can clean it really good get some like alcohol or whatever so make sure it is clean but I would uh you know make sure that your game is off when you change those dip switches
1: okay Tim Well, let's move on to a second question about his quarter slot and the cherry switch not coining up now, he's saying that he's got it all wired, the connections are soldered on, all that kind of stuff. He has it grounded, but it's just not coining up. Now, Tim, he's got the connection soldered on. Something he could try is to basically take a wire and can, and hit the two ends right. of, the, of the switch where he's got it soldered and see if it coins up the game. Right. If it does, he probably has a bad switch, right?
0: Exactly. You could take, a, Josh, a, a piece of wire about six inches long and strip both ends yeah. and just touch together one to the other, so basically, this is what a switch does, right? And see if it coins up. Then you could just have a bad switch, you can't always go by the looks of them for sure. Or you could read it with a meter, right? Either way,
1: now, where can he get some of these coin switches? I mean, arcade shop and places like that carry these, right?
0: Oh, yeah, that, Bob or anybody take a picture, Josh, and send it to me. Don't they have different uh,
1: size wires and different, yeah, different configurations? I, guarantee of you that?
0: I, I got one, Josh. If it's a switch, let me know, I'll send you one.
1: Yeah, sounds good, Tim. So, Josh, hopefully that answers both your questions. We at least tried on the bill acceptor. I mean, it's kind of hard, like you said. Probably need a manual to really look and see.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm just not, you know, it's, like you said, we use American Changers now, and um, they have, I'm thinking they may have Mars acceptors. So mine, and I just know that, you know, you start monkeying with the dip switches, we're going to have to go back and find the manual to it.
1: Gotcha, and and on the switch, he just needs to try to complete it and see if it will, you know, basically take a stripped wire, touch both ends, and see if it'll coin up that way. That way, he can test see whether it's a switch that's bad or whether he's having some other other issues with it.
0: And and Josh, let me know. uh, Josh knows how to get in touch with me, and I will. um, I can send you a cleaning card too. Those are good to have
1: for the uh, bill acceptor. For the
0: bill acceptor, so that you can run it through there. Uh, Josh, does it try to take it and reject the bill? Or does it not even try at all?
1: That's that's a good question. Because if it's not even trying, then it might be something almost like a power type right. issue or something like that where the deep maybe the dip switch configuration is set for a different voltage or whatever it is. Uh, I'm not really familiar with bill acceptors, Tim. I know you have a lot more experience at this than I do. So, you know, I'll definitely relegate my experience to you. But that's a good question. You know, is it trying to take the bill or is it, you know, right. does, does it, it go just...
0: like half in and spit it out? It... He says
1: it does reject it.
0: Okay. If it rejects it, you could have it on... It's probably just have it on the wrong setting, or you could be telling it, um, you know, basically it could be thinking you're sticking a $2 bill in there well, or whatever. And
1: another thing about some bill acceptors, if you have an older bill acceptor, it yeah. won't accept new money.
0: That's true, but um, yeah, it won't accept a lot of things like new fives. Right.
1: I remember when we were going through the transition and we had our location, Tim, and uh-huh. we actually had to get updated bill acceptors because they wouldn't take the new $5 bills. Right. You know, a lot of those older bill bill validators will only take the old money, the old $1 bills. Sometimes it's just bills.
0: a chip uh, or something. So, but, you know, maybe even, the, but ones haven't changed a lot. So, right. That's true. You know, it's fives and tens a lot of times they give you problems. Right.
1: Okay. So, Josh, I think we're going to move on here, but it, it does sound like it is rejecting the bill, so at least he's getting power and everything, but it's just not taking it. So, uh, you know, Tim, if we can get maybe the manual on that, we can give Josh a little bit more. And like you said, Josh knows how to contact you, right? Yes. Okay. So hopefully you guys can maybe give us an update on that next podcast, see what the issue was, and we'll okay. move from there. So, Josh, hopefully they at least give you some insight to your question. We're going to move on with the rest of our show Questions here, and our next one, Tim, it looks like, is from Chris, and Chris says, Hello, Arcade Repair Tips. A few weeks ago, I bought a Total Carnage cabinet converted from a Michael Jackson Moonwalker, apparently from the Disneyland Hotel, and a Truxton 2 cabinet converted from a Street Fighter machine for both $50. Wow. $50 for both cabinets, Tim. That's not the a bad idea The historical
0: value alone was worth $50, right? <laughs> There you go. I wonder if you
1: could get, like, a plaque put on it <laughs> from the Disneyland Hotel. Anyway... Great deal, I thought, especially considering they both power on, play, and everything. The Truxton 2 is great, except for a very minor burn on the screen on the very bottom. The total carnage, however, is a bit worse. I cleaned up the circuit board, all nice and everything, but it didn't fix the problems, which leaves the power supply, transformer, and monitor. First off, there's a greenish tint haze to the screen when it starts up. Sometimes it goes away after a few minutes, sometimes not at all. Secondly, the left third or so of the screen is very dark. How dark seems to change depending on the screen. When it shows the intro screen, it seems not too bad, but when the attract mode starts, it gets very dark. And finally, the sound works, but there's a strange rumble that increases with the volume pot. When the rumble's going, the screen sort of flickers with these horizontal lines throughout the screen. I went to the test mode, and during the switch, Controls test, after playing around with the joysticks, I noticed it would go away for a few seconds after I wasn't pressing anything. Once I pressed a button or moved the stick again, it would start up again. This is the only time the rumble and flicker would stop. Even during gameplay, whether I was pressing a button or not, the rumble and flicker were constant. I'm not too sure where to go right now, and I don't have much experience with monitors. Any help or guidance would be very much appreciated. I've been watching your videos, reading your articles for a short while now, and they've been a great help for me. Thank you for all the help you've already given me through those. So, Tim, we have Chris here, who picked up a heck of a deal on two games, a Total Carnage and a Truxton 2. And I wasn't familiar with Truxton 2, Tim, until we looked it up. It looks like it's one of those vertically scrolling shooters. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, probably a pretty fun game, I'd imagine. Now, it sounds like the Truxton 2 is okay, but it's this Total Carnage that's having a lot of issues here, Tim. And first, let's start off with the greenish tint haze that he's getting. Right. Okay, so he's getting this greenish tint haze. What do you think is going on with that?
0: Well, he could just have a bad green drive transistor or something. He needs to look at our, uh or it could just be his adjustments, like yeah. on his black level or sure. something. Uh So he needs to watch those videos on adjusting your monitor, but also on testing the tube and make sure his tube has not got a green short or something going bad in it. Um So... He can do those couple things. And he
1: might just need to turn down the green drive. It might be something as be simple as that. Right. right. That's something to keep in mind. So you might try adjusting it before suspecting some transistors or some other things like that.
0: Right. But then he says that there is some dark areas and stuff like that. Well he says like the left third of the screen. Okay. So that generally is a cap and it needs to be recapped and uh I would I would go there. I think I'll try I think, to adjust first.
1: I think he's got two symptoms. That pretty much lend themselves always to a cap kit. One is whenever you have a color tint on the screen like that, mm-hmm. a really high color tint, or you have bleeding or stuff like that. Seems like that's usually a cap kit. And then the dark areas, Tim, the third dark third of the screen. Seems like both those things that he's describing really lend themselves to a cap kit fix here. What do right?
0: You think? Yeah, I think so.
1: Okay. Now his his second or his third thing is really a little bit more troublesome. Now he's having some problems with the sound, but it's kind of related to when he presses his control panel. It sounds like like when he moves a joystick or hits a button and he gets these flickers and horizontal lines through the screen whenever he does that. What do you think's causing that? It really sounds like it happens he said he said particularly in the test mode when he was moving the joysticks and buttons it would happen and then when he would stop it would stop.
0: Right. So what do you think's going on there? It could be the soundboard on on the board itself. Okay. And and one way he could test is I'd really like to know um, these two are JAMA games. Right. Swap boards and see if, just from what he's saying, I know it won't play right and everything, but swap boards and see if the sound follows the board or fo- stays with the game. Right. Now, if it follows the board, of course, you know you got a board issue. He could press or reset chips and do some of those things that we've talked about on previous videos. Right. Or, but if it stays with the game, he could just have a bad volume pot. Right. And which can cause some crazy things because basically, you know, there's resistance going through there. And when you're pushing and doing buttons and things, it could cause some things like that. It really
1: almost sounds, too, like it could be some sort of short somewhere Yeah, well. it could be. Like a, a, like a wired short or something like that, that whenever he's pressing that, maybe what it's doing is it's sucking some voltage. And yeah. And that voltage is driving down and causing this issue. I would
0: definitely check for vol- your voltages and stuff and make sure, but because you don't want voltage to any kind of voltage to your uh to your buttons or your joystick right sometimes you can i've seen crazy things like a coin light being shorted or hitting in the wrong place you know a lot of times i have metal clips and different things so um you know those are some things that you can check but i would move that board over and see if it followed the board to begin with at least you can eliminate that
1: Sounds good. So, Tim, you think that's enough to get him going here? I think so. We so, could... cap kit on the monitor, and then let's check for some shorts, check around the volume pot, and see, and even swap boards perhaps. Because I believe Total Carnage, correct me if I'm wrong, is just a JAMA board. So he could probably actually switch out the Truxton two from his other cabinet, which I'd imagine is also a JAMA board, swap those two, and see if it's giving him that same feedback that he's getting with the Total Carnage. Sure. Now, the orientation might be a little wacky. It might be horizontal, vertical. Maybe, but we're just
0: listening for sound.
1: Correct. We're just doing a test, basically. But the fact that his Total Carnage board hasn't blown up is probably a good sign that he could put his Truxton two in there and not have to worry about it true shorten anything out or anything like that but I'm really thinking it's got to be a short somewhere or it's got to be some part that's gone faulty like you mentioned a volume pot or something like that maybe even coin door lights or something that he needs to check it's really hard to track down these type of these type of shorts right Tim
0: yes it is you're just going to have to visually get in there and inspect do a lot of uh, continuity checks with his meter and so forth
1: okay so I, I really think here, though, that if Chris follows what we said here, he'll be able to fix everything up. I, I don't. I think if he does the cap kit, he searches for some some different, you know, like we said, shorts in there, maybe his uh, Coinder Lights volume pots, that he should be able to get this game up and running. So, Chris, good luck with your repair, and let us know how it goes. Let us know how everything goes once you get all of those steps completed. Okay, Tim, let's move to Julian. Now, Julian says, hey, guys, I hope... You- I can get into the elite circle of listeners who have gotten two questions in one podcast. Well, not quite, Tim. I think we, Julian, still in our backlog on one other question. Okay. But he gets this one in at least. So he says, "I love listening to you guys while I'm at my boring day job. You know, that's what I do. I listen to podcasts at my at my day job as well, Tim. When I'm working on stuff, it's a good way to pass the time. You kind of, you know, you can focus on two things at once. It's really helpful. But anyway, so I can't wait for new episodes. He says. A while back, I bought a Wells Garner 7901 off of Craigslist. It was cheap, and the owner admitted it had a little burn in, which does, but I'm only meaning to use it for a JAMA test rig, so I don't care if there's a little burn in. Just a future tip for other listeners, Jamma is a negative composite sync signal, and I've read that other K7000 series monitors, all but the K7901, only wants to JAMA negative composite sync hooked to horizontal negative sync on the chassis. I first tried connecting the JAMA sync to both the negative horizo- horizontal and vertical and got a crazy screen, but only negative horizontal and it syncs property. Anyways, the monitor is syncing okay, but it has a weird problem. No matter how much I adjust it, the picture looks like crap. My other colors are good, but there's static, which looks just like an old crappy Zenith TV with an RF antenna, which has, which is getting bad reception. On black screen, the game... On black screens in the game, you can really see a wavy static effect. There is no speaker hooked up to my JAMA test rig yet since I haven't gotten that far. I wonder if a cap kit could possibly fix this problem or if the tube is just ancient and its best days are behind it. Thank you so much, Julian from Seattle, Washington. So, Tim, we have Julian here, and, you know, he thought, hey, I'll build me a Jamma test rig. I'll get okay. me a Wells Garner K7901 monitor, and we'll hook up the sink and everything like that, and we'll see what happens. Well, when he did that, he's getting a bunch of static and a, a wavy static effect in his screen. Right. What do you think's going on? Do you think a cap kick could solve the issue? That's the first thing he asked.
0: Well, probably... It, it won't hurt, but it may not solve this issue. Right. Um, when the fact that he's using it as a test rig, I'm wor- worried about his grounding to it. Yeah. Do you know, you want to make sure that you run a ground to the monitor. Uh, make sure that your plug you're using is, is good and grounded, too. But you want to make sure a good ground is is running. And then you you could just be getting a t- because it's open, you could be getting a ton of uh bad things also is your test rig have a filter yeah on it you know um i would highly recommend that you get an ac filter even today you don't have this as common but i know out in our shop it's a metal building and we can get some really weird stuff so especially if your one of your neighbors is like a ham radio operator or something, you know. <laughs> um, so you want to make Just sure Just look for that, a
1: big antenna on his car and and the right, little thing that says ham radio operator, right? Right, the, li- <laughs> the personalized license plate with right. call letters.
0: <laughs> That's like a must, But uh, anyway, so, you know, the fact that it's out of the game, you don't have the potential... I mean the game does ground your monitor a lot. Usually it's uh, setting on some metal brackets and so forth so I would try that. Um, you know generally if you'll notice our test rig where we hooked up the little uh, Sony uh, monitor which, that went... video is not out yet. I still oh, have yet okay. to edit it. But well, there, is a, got...
1: there is, there is and that's only going to be on D- DVD Volume 4.
0: Okay, well, on DVD Volume 4, we're going to show <laughs> a great tool to use so you don't have to have a big honking monitor there. I think we're still like nine test. videos
1: away from a DVD Volume 4, but we'll get there eventually, Tim. So when DVD Volume 4 does come out, maybe this year, well, hopefully. teaser
0: right there. <laughs> and,
1: that's, and there you go. You will be able to see Stan's Jamma test rig, which has a Sony monitor. Monitor hooked up to it to show you know the picture and everything. Works really well. A PlayStation Portable. Yeah, PlayStation Portable Monitor. So but that's that's one way to do it. Now, Tim, he's just saying though the static, you're thinking it's a grounding issue that's it could happening be, here.
0: Yeah, uh, sometimes I mean there are some filtered caps that could cause stuff like that. And it wouldn't hurt to cap it. I mean it's it's right there. Right. And I would definitely try that. Um but you know it's probably a grounding issue or Sometimes you just have the brightness turned up too high. Can adjust it down, but he probably knows that already. So, so you're going to basically recommend that he has it grounded properly. He can try the cap
1: kit; it's not going to hurt anything. Obviously, no, and it's a good but thing. Good place I, I to start.
0: He asked the question. I think it's going to fix his problem. Probably not.
1: Okay, sounds good. So basically, you're 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 telling him just make sure that you get it grounded properly. Yes so and if he does that he should be able to try fix a different
0: it. P- power supply too
1: sounds good so julian hopefully answers your question it sounds like you do need to see if your monitor is grounded correctly check some power supply you can try the cap kit but like tim said probably not going to solve this particular issue more of a grounding slash power supply issue in this particular case so check those areas of your monitor and then let us know how it goes from there okay tim let's move to michael now michael says hey guys and happy new year Huh. Well, happy New Year, Michael. So, you know we haven't had anybody. I don't. I wish us that yet. I think because we haven't gotten this far in the question load. <laughs> but go. there you go. Happy New Year. We're,
0: I want. We're still getting Easter. You know, Easter happy. happy we're Easter. not that far back. Okay. We're more like happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but anyway,
0: hope your Thanksgiving was good. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> hey guys, happy New Year. I want to install illuminated one and two player start buttons for my main cabinet. I have a few questions, and I was hoping you could give me some answers. I'd really like to have them light up and possibly blink only when you insert a coin and have them turn off once the button is pressed. Just like a classic Atari cone button, if you remember correctly, Tim. I understand how to wire an illuminated push button, but I have no idea how to go about this. I don't know if it matters, but I'm using an iPad keyboard encoder. This is the third arcade cabinet, and I love working on and maintaining them. Thanks to you guys. You rock. Thanks again. Mike from Exeter, Pennsylvania. So Tim we have Mike here Michael from Exeter Pennsylvania, and he's got a very unique request It sounds like everything's working he's got it he knows how to wire an illuminate a push button okay. but what he wants is when it's in a track mode he wants it to blink just like the old Atari coin you know cone coin buttons and then whenever you you know, coin it up, he wants the blinking to stop. Okay. Okay. So basically, we need a board that can communicate with the PC and tell it when to blink those buttons and when not to.
0: Exactly. What he needs is kind of a version of an iPad. And I want to recommend. But not
1: on a control. But, but not on the control, on, a voltage on level. the
0: voltage level. Right. So I want to recommend that he check out the place that I love to get stuff from called MCM Electronics.
1: MCM Electronics.
0: Yeah, it's like Mary Charles Mary. Electronics, Check them out. They have some cool stuff like that where you build your own little board for lights. And right. they would go on and off and stuff. And I think that he could use one of their kits. Maybe we'll look up one and include it. You, you, they're pretty easy to find. Look for kits on lighting kits like do-it-yourself. Now They have some just for people to play. What they people use them for a lot is like with their cars right, and stuff and LED strips and stuff, but now, it would work. Uh,
1: you know, one thing I saw a project during Christmas, Tim, on Radio Shack's site, on their Twitter account, actually, where they were talking about the Anduino micro-pick processor that they have, a little board that they have uh-huh. with a little processor on it. You can program it. And they actually programmed one to turn on and off certain lights based on what people tweeted to a certain account. Oh, wow. which and, and this is almost a certain to a certain extent the same thing. if you had one of these little pick processor processor boards that you could program that could interface with a serial port on your PC uh-huh. and then you could stick you know send certain things to a serial port and it would blink the lights or, or turn them off or turn them on, he might be able to accomplish the same thing through something those means as well so but through MCM he might be able to find something that's already kind of built like that right. instead of
0: having to build it himself and so those- it's
1: probably a better better route to go.
0: Another thing, Michael, that I'd like you to do is post this question in our Facebook page.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm wondering, because we have over almost 500 people there now.
1: 464, Tim. We have it up on the big board right right. now.
0: 464. (laughs) I'm just saying that somebody has tried something crazy like that. And if I have more time uh, later, I can probably find him a board that would do it. Uh, from mcm i know they carry some stuff like that
1: sounds good well you know for the most part i really i really think that this is a cool project tim so if he does figure it out i have a feeling that there will be other people on there as well that might be able to might be able to benefit from this what do you think tim
0: yeah i I think think it's a cool project i do too I, i like this kind of question occasionally you know it's just fun to fun to talk about and discuss
1: yeah, definitely. So Michael, at least that gives you some good ideas. You know, like Tim said, you might check out MCM Electronics and just see if they have anything that might be able to fit the bill. Tim said he'll also research it a little bit, see if he can find anything. Or you could go the MicroPig processor route and see about making your own solution. So those are some routes that you can go. You know, probably a little bit of an involved project, but once you once you get it down, I think it'll be real easy and real fun. So hopefully, Michael, that answers your question and good luck with this project. Sounds great. Okay, Tim, let's move to Harmic. And Harmic says hello. In episode thirteen, you talked about doing a video on using a tube TV, a TV tube as a monitor. I have all your DVDs and I love them and the podcast, but I could not find the video. I'm very interested in learning more about this as I am a big fan of Sony Trinitron CRT TVs and monitors. If I could use a 21-inch Sony CRT as an arcade monitor, I think that'd be better than most dedicated arcade monitors. Will a TV tube work well for most games, or will you need a high-res tube after a certain point? Year. What info do you need to send eight-liners, and how do you get the info off the tube that they are looking for? Is there is some of the things I need to is some of the things I need to know? Thank you for all the time and effort you put into your side, and please keep making videos. I want to get DVD number four, Harmic.
0: Okay. So he's already ready
1: to buy it. We haven't even released it yet, but Harmic is right. We actually promised this video a while back, and Mr. Michael has been holding back a tube for us to try this on okay. for, like, the last
0: year. Well, maybe like, we'll, we'll we'll make that one of the videos on on video 4. I think we've talked about it a lot of times. Right. We just haven't done it. But uh, basically, yeah, I mean, what you see in there, it, every one that you see just about is a TV tube. Right. In fact, a lot of times when we ask somebody what kind of monitor they'll say, they say they have a Samsung or an RCA because they're looking at the tube. Right. So the fact, yes, yeah, they will work, and they'll work good. So, and what he needs to do is, they got a little questionnaire type deal on Eightliners dot com that he goes through, kind of a checklist. You want to see how many pins it has, and so forth. And they have him read the ohms, I think it is across. Right. It'll it'll, it'll kind of explain it. Um. So that they have like a little checklist that you do before you uh, before they make you one. Gotcha. And there was another place. I think it's something simple like com, Yeah. And they build chassis and yokes, which, as long as the chassis and yoke match, you could take that yoke off and put this one on, and you'd have a working, it work with just about any tube. Gotcha. Okay, so basically
1: we just need to film a video on it for Harmick. But he had he had his little questions there and everything. Did we get did we get both of them here, Tim? Basically the info needs to get off the tube, it has to do with checking those pins off the yoke, correct? Right. And making sure that you have the right number of pins off of the back of of your yoke as well. Right. Well he claims he can in. pretty
0: much build a chassis to anything. You just have to answer his little question to tell him how many pins so forth and it's pretty simple.
1: Okay. So Harmic hopefully answers your question. We will have a video out on that very soon as far as you know, how to how to check whether different tubes are going to work with different chassises. But for the most part, there should be some good info. We'll post the the link to 8-liners that has some of that info about building chassises for you and the other place that Tim was talking about, we'll do some research, post that up in the show notes, so make sure you check those. Harmic, thanks for your question. Hopefully we'll have a video out sometime at the before the end of this year. <laughs> I'm just going to say it like that. Hopefully we can get it out before then. Okay, Tim, let's move to Bill. Now, Bill says, Thank you for all the info. I am in the process of acquiring a Punch-Out that the owner says will not power on. I would like to go and check it out, but I was wondering what I could look for when I do that. I just want to have an idea of how much it's going to be to repair. Punch-Out is a game I've always wanted to own, and the guy that lives in my own town, and in, I got, this guy lives in my own town, so you can imagine how excited I am. I just don't want to end up overpaying if it needs some serious repairs. Thanks in advance, Bill. So Tim, we have Bill here, and he's got he's looking at a Punch Out game. And it's like okay. you know, he sees one on Craigslist or on in the paper. Punch Out game for sale does not power on. Okay. okay, so you see that in the paper. Okay, right. you see that in our paper. Does not power on. What what would you expect to pay for something that says does not power on?
0: Well, no matter. Here's the one thing you have to take out of the equation: how bad you want a Punch Out game. That's true. Okay, you have to take that out.
1: Sentimental value will make it go up, right? Yeah.
0: It now.
1: If you start telling the guy stories about, when I was a kid and I was four years old, my dad took me to the arcade and we played Treat it like a
0: non-working game. Right. Okay? Which could have a power supply issue, a board issue. We're going to say the wiring is probably good, but maybe need to be some wiring done. Monitor. We're going to say it's $400 to fix it. Okay. Okay? Worst case scenario. Right. It might cost that much. Right.
1: Or it might be Four five seconds adapter. of somebody it unplugging the a, power adapter.
0: Yeah, or $2 fuse. Mm-hmm. So treat it like a non-working game. Right. So what would it be worth to you if it was working? And I would offer about a quarter of that.
1: Okay, so if it wasn't $400 is what my max price would be.
0: If I thought it was worth $400 working all the way, um, I would offer that. That's just a tip on how to negotiate some of these things because you really don't know. Right. Um, famous story we talked about before. One time, uh, I bought an Arctic Thunder. I couldn't see inside of it. <laughs> the The monitor wouldn't come on. It didn't have. It, it had no power. Right. Okay. So I thought, wow, we'll fix it. It's probably a fuse. Even if it's a power supply, whatever. I think I spent three hundred dollars on it. Right. Okay. Got home. Yeah, it didn't work because it had no chassis, no computer, <laughs> no power supply, no wiring. It had a blank tube up inside of it. I did have a
1: lot of fun riding it down the street as we were moving say, it. That's about that's about all the play it got. Yeah,
0: yeah. We did a uh, we used the cart the the part where you sit down a lot, kind of like a go kart, and we pushed each other around. Three hundred bucks for a piece of wood, you know. I'll I never let you upset. live that one down. No, and, and so I would never. I, I just throw that information. Now, here's what you need to do, though, Bill. I would open it up and make sure everything is there.
1: But here's the key, Tim. I think here's something that's key. Don't fix it there. Right. Because if you fix it there, he's going to want more for it. Or he might even want to keep it, depending. Right. That's something that's very key, guys. Like, if you're going to see a non-working game, don't fix it because they're going to want to charge you more for it at that point.
0: Right. Okay. But but Bill is sounds like he's more concerned about will he be able to fix it later. Right. He, he kind of does want to check it out. So, one thing is, what, what what does work on it? If it has zero power at all, no lights or nothing, I, you know, you could check and make sure the fuse is, make sure it's getting power. Right. Um, could be a fuse. Could it be a blown fuse. But, you know, one thing I want to reenterize. when I was new, I used to get jump up and down excited. I found a blown fuse. Oh, it's just a blown fuse. Now, I have to ask myself that question. What caused the fuse to blow? Right. So, um you know, I, I just a you want to check for power. I take a voltmeter and make sure that it's getting power. Now, if it's playing blind, you know that the monitor's bad, mm-hmm. or if you see some junky junk on the screen, non-working could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. True. Now he's saying it doesn't power on. Doesn't the power, power is on. not working. So there we go. You want to check. Always start with power. Make sure that it uh, wasn't a connection. I would find one of the best things to do pick the guy's brain apart. When did this happen? If he throws the old phrase, we were moving and we moved it across the room, it was probably not serious. Right. If uh, we were watching the Super Bowl during an electrical storm or lightning storm and lightning hit knocked out our TV in this game, it might be something more serious. I would try to find out if it worked great and one day it just quit. You know, yeah. well
1: then something else too, Tim, that you mentioned, I mean, just talking about your Arctic Thunder story there, is that if he does have the ability to open up the back door, if they got to show him that, yeah. make sure it's complete. Sure. Make sure you have a board, make sure you have a power supply, make sure you have a monitor in there. Right. All that good stuff. And a chassis. You because know? if he if those parts are missing, now you've got to start adding up cash totals. I'm gonna have to buy a chassis, I'm gonna have to buy right. a board, I'm gonna have to buy a power supply, or whatever you're gonna have to buy. And so all of a sudden the value of this thing to me anyway starts dipping if I don't have those parts yeah. in there
0: already. So Bill the the quickest answer to your question is to open that sucker up and look at it, right? And see what you see. Trust your eyes and your ears, and see what you see. If you don't hear any anything, I would just tell them and be honest with him. Look, I'm not a I'm not an arcade repair technician yet, although I can buy some DVDs and know some people, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I'll I'll become one, uh, but at the same time, I I don't know what it's going to cost. So I'm going to I would like to have this game. Maybe work out a trade or something, you know, or say, you know, would you be willing to, um, you know, negotiate just on that fact alone? Yeah. For some reason, like, whenever you said, like, I'm not
1: an arcade repair to technician yet I got this picture of my head of like a white belt a guy with a white belt and arcade repair shirt technician (laughs) shirt on and then you know you've got like the belt levels of arcade tech or whatever it is but you know we always classify it beginner intermediate advanced and expert but you know that's the way I think people look at it you know from a beginner standpoint here with him not knowing a lot
0: the problem is he likes this game that is part of it he wants his game and it's in his hometown (laughs) so you know what Bill it could have been the one he played when he was a kid Tim you know what what is it really worth to you? Yeah, I, you know I keep telling people don't overpay. Well, you know what? So what? I've overpaid on a lot of stuff. We got furniture in our house. I guarantee you we overpaid for. It. <laughs> you know, so whatever it, you know, get it and fix it. Try to try to negotiate down. I have a car you based overpaid on for. the thing. <laughs> I, you know, I would I would definitely uh, try to talk him down. But you know what? That's it's your money, man. If you can, you know. They're not going to be around much longer. So try to pick it up. We'll help you fix it.
1: It's hard to find punch outs. You know, I'm trying to think back to all the arcade auctions that I've been to, Tim, and I want to say I've only seen probably 10. You know, whereas like Miss Peck Gallagher's, you'll see 10 at one auction. But probably in all the auctions that I've been to, I, we're probably thinking like 10 total. So they mm-hmm. they seem like they're more rare to come by. They are like the two-screen punch-outs, or punch-outs, play-choice 10s, right? Right. And some the of them are, I think, some of them yeah. are single-monitor. So I, I, it just seems like I always see them in, those, in the play-choice 10, two-screen, dual-screen cabinet type thing. So... Well, we
0: beat this horse pretty pretty hard. I think
1: so, Tim. I think we can move on. But, Bill, good luck getting this punch out if you do pick it up, and good luck with the repair. Obviously, if you have specific questions on how to repair it, you can get back in touch with us, and we'll help you out. Okay, Tim, let's move to Bob. Now, Bob says, I have a PlayChoice 10 dual monitor arcade game, and I think the power is not working. The machine does not power on. Where can I get a new power supply for this machine? I did watch the video you have on changing the power supply in a Nintendo-type cabinets and how to use the 100... Or the 120, not the 100. I would like to know if this is a tough exchange and what I can expect to spend to do to repair myself and any other tips or tricks you may have for this procedure. I'm located in Des Moines, Iowa, just like the play choice you're repairing. Thanks, Bob.
0: Hmm. So he's
1: located in Des Moines. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. Where we were actually doing that. That's that, crazy. Hey, we had a party, Bob. You should have been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. All right. But anyway. Uh, he's looking at a play choice 10 here tim and we did a very similar power supply changeout now it should be noted that when we got there somebody had already wired up the voltages for the switching power supply to the board right we did not have to do that part all we had to do was make sure that the power supply was getting 120 volts and hook up hook up the little harness that they had already made to get the the voltage there. But if you find the pinouts for the PlayChoice 10, all you have to do is find where the 5 and the 12 volts go on the board and then wire up to those. Wire up the power supply to 120, you should be good to go. True. So, I mean, am I missing anything here, Tim?
0: No. Anything else that Bob needs to know? I'm wondering if uh, Arcade Shop sells a converter kit they may. We'll try to look that up for you. He asked where could he get one? Try arcade shop, try Mark, Mike's Arcade. Mike's Arcade to me really does a lot of uh Nintendo, Nintendo stuff. You're correct. And That's would be a very saying. good person to ask what he needs and he'll he'll be glad to sell sell you what you need. And it's I not, think I think Mike's arcade or under a hundred dollars. I was
1: thinking the same thing. I think Mike's arcade would be more likely to have exactly what he needs. Probably. He's probably looking what, twenty five, thirty five dollars for the power supply and then maybe another $35, $40 for yeah. the adapter set if there is an adapter set for it. Otherwise, he might have and, to just wire it
0: up. And I think it's something that any, just about anybody can do. It may come with some instructions, yeah. too. But overall, he's looking about
1: under $100 with a little bit of labor, and he should be able to get this play choice up and running with a new power supply, sure. right? So, sounds good, Bob. So, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, Like we said, Mike's Arcade, I think Tim's right, is going to be the better place to go for the parts on this one. You can check Arcade Shop as well, but those are just two of the places where you can go. Check those out. You should be able to find, actually, a kit that you can get, hopefully wire up the 5 and the 12 volts and all that good stuff, and get your game working. Okay, Tim. Now for our last question of the night. Now, like I said, we didn't do as many questions as we usually do because this is a live podcast. We didn't want to bore everybody too much. But the first one we have, or the last one that we have here actually is from Josh. And Josh says, I need help with a Wells Garner K7000 monitor. Okay. Originally, when I came across this monitor, I found that the C36 was blown apart and burnt. Also noting that on my K7000, there are two capacitors in the C36 spot. Anyway, I found that C36, 37, 38 were shorted, I replaced them and I also replaced the secondary cap that was in the C36 spot. After all that, I tried powering it up and it didn't work. So I dug deeper and found that my hot was dead, and he has a D1398 as the part number on that. I replaced it, powered it up for a split second, went back in, checked and found that the V-reg and STR30130IC was dead, short across and in and out causing the B plus to be as high as possible. So after I replaced that, it would run about 45 seconds shut off. So after a few people, after talking to a few people, I replaced the C55, C56, and C57. Both 56 and 57 were dried out. I cut them open after removing them from the board. So now it runs. The issue I'm having is that the B plus fluctuates between 104 and 112 volts VDC. And I don't know, and I know it should be 123 volts DC. The issue I think that's causing this is the horizontal size change depending on how much stuff is displayed on the screen. The horizontal size adjustment does not respond much to adjustment. As well as when the machine blanks the screen and then fills it in with an image, it wobbles like jello for a second or so. I'm guessing somewhere something is still out of spec. I check R103 and it seems to be showing proper resistance and my isolation transformer is outputting a stable 125 volts AC, so any help would be appreciated, thanks Josh. That's a big mouthful, Tim. Yeah, it Josh. sounds like Josh has been really working to get this chassis going. In fact, he's checked almost everything I would recommend to check here. The R one oh three, you know, he says in the at the end after all his stuff that it's his B plus voltage that's really having the problem now. Yes. And the R one O three is the resistor that usually controls some of that. I think we talked about that early in the podcast, Tim. So I mean, what more can Josh do to get this thing working?
0: Boy, he has uh really taken it to the to the levels here. Um, and I appreciate the stuff that he's found. I don't know that that the B plus the B plus is a little low, right? But it's not horribly low.
1: Now, one said one thing he did say I think near the end there is that he's tried to adjust the horizontal size, you know, via the horizontal coil, right. and it doesn't seem to respond much to adjustment.
0: Right. So, and that's the problem he's getting now is right. the picture. So, I would highly recommend that he go ahead and get a horizontal uh, width coil, and, and Bob Roberts sells a little kit for it right? to do that, and try that. Now, he, and he might go ahead and replace the R103. Okay. Um, just two. Right. And uh, th- there may be another... Man, It just everything I'm thinking of, he's almost already done. I'm you telling know?
1: you, he's gone through this chassis... Pretty well so far, and it sounds like he's he's taken it from broken Tim to right. working. I mean, he's taken it that far. He's just got this little minor nagging issue now that he's still dealing with. Right, and so I'm with you. I think he does need to go ahead and replace that R103 just to replace he it. He
0: honestly has almost done everything I would know to do to one. Right. Eight, the only other, the
1: other thing that we could think of is what we mentioned the horizontal width coil and maybe getting the width kit as well. It comes with the polypropylene capacitors. Yes, I mean those would be the two things I think that he probably needs to go from there on. I mean, you know, especially since he's saying that's fluctuating a lot. Yeah. When he's got stuff displayed on the screen, that seems to be more, more related to something like that.
0: And, and you know, it is possible that his B plus pot could be bad if he's got not. pot on there. Yeah, yeah, if it has a pot on there, that um, you know, it's just not letting him turn it up or crank it a little bit. But boy, it still sounds like something in that era, area. Um, yeah, it, it may be. A lot I, of stuff. It may. I'll be honest, he may be asking or he may need to go and talk to uh Chad at RK Cup or somebody. Or Michael. That, or Michael um at T V dot com. Because
1: yeah. I mean he's done so much at this point. Like mm-hmm. you said, he's done a lot of stuff that we would we would have done at this yeah. point and, and gone through it. Like I said, the only other thing that we can even think about right now is doing the horizontal coil and horizontal width kits because that's the only other thing it sounds like he hasn't (laughs) done to fix this monitor at this point. So, Josh, hopefully that at least gives you some Keep us informed and let us know so
0: we can share that. Uh, down the road
1: yeah sounds good so josh hopefully that gives you a little bit of idea of where you can go he- from here uh, like like tim said might want to try to replace that resistor at 103 might try the horizontal with coil horizontal with kit see if they get something better but it might be a good idea too to go to some guys who really know their arcade repair or monitor repair stuff such as chad or michael see if they can help you out further than us so hopefully that answers your question good luck with your monitor repair now, Tim, we have one more question from Josh in our chat room, and we're going to take this on, and then we'll move on to our discussion. So the, okay. the question we have from Josh is, he has a K6, uh, K4600 chassis that he wants a cap kit done on. I already have the cap kit, and I've finally become confident enough to discharge it myself. Ha-ha, he says. So okay. he, he doesn't mind the pop anymore, Tim. He's right. overcome his fear of the pop. Anyways, I don't trust myself to do it. Marcus told me to practice on some old PCBs on removing and installing caps which I have practice on and I still don't trust myself. Do you know anyone that can do a cat kit for me? So he's saying that he's tried to desolder some of the things on some of the different circuit boards that he has, and he still is not confident in his skills, Tim. He still doesn't feel like he's there. Is there anybody that can do a cat kit for him? What are you going to tell him, Tim?
0: Nope, Josh. You need to do it. Um Josh, you got the one of the easiest monitors to cap, a K um forty six hundred, which you can remove the cards and do that. Michael would probably do it for you, but uh, man Josh I wish that we could get together. Uh for those of you who don't know, Josh lives in Texas. Right. And I'd be glad to do that for you. But over bite the bullet, Josh, you can get those cards on eBay working. Um you may try that route. That's something I've done before I kinda got good buy a working one or save up your money and buy some working cards and then try to repair the old ones. That way, if you do mess up, you still got a working one. That's right. But you just might fix it, and then you could turn around and sell the the extra cards.
1: And I think that's a good thing. I used advice. to have a
0: whole box of 4,600 cards. We did. I remember that. And so I don't feel bad. I used to practice all the t- Good one to practice on. Now,
1: he says he scratched the old PCB that he was working on when he was using his soldering iron. And that's why he's kind of fearful, it sounds like, okay. because he scratched it. Okay. Oh, so
0: what? All right. <laughs> get over deal. it, right? Yeah.
1: Hey, you, you discharged the monitor. You did that. Right. First time I changed
0: too. the tire on the car, I didn't put lug nuts on it. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. You know I mean? No, it's fine, Josh. Yeah,
1: I didn't put lug nuts on it.
0: You, you're going to get it down. Speaking yeah. of
1: visual images, now I, now I have a visual image of like a NASCAR driver <laughs> going down the road going to, going in his loop and then the the, the wheel just falls. Josh, off. really
0: you can do this, man. I, I really I know you've been working on games and stuff and I, I know you can do it.
1: Well and, and really, Tim, soldering is an essential skill that every arcade technician needs in their arsenal. I mean right. without that, it's kind of the basis for board repair, chassis repair, and arcade repair in general.
0: But you know, Josh, really if if you want to, Michael would probably do that, uh, pretty reasonable the cheapest place to get it done, I think, is still PL Games.
1: Yeah, PNL.
0: PNL Games. I I think they still. I mean, they were charging thirty nine dollars to do a cap kit. So. We still
1: have the number for them, Tim, and I'll post in the show notes. We posted on a couple of shows, but I'll go ahead and post it in the show notes on this one as well that you can call them. They're out in California, and they were the cheapest at one point at doing cap kits for sure. But like you said, the forty six hundred is nice because it has the cards on it. Yeah. you can just pop a card out cap you know just that card put the cards back in there now there are caps on the main chassis that you also need to adjust or need to cap as well but I mean you could go ahead and start with those cards if you mess up on those cards just get you another card right
0: yeah and Josh you might check around where you live just to see if there happens to be an old TV repair shop I mean you know go say hey I I need some help doing this cap kit help me I'll mow your grass or something I mean you know we get you have to get creative sometimes uh, until you get your confidence level built up, but but I know you can do it, I, and I want you to try. You're not losing much on old 4600. Hey, he also
1: says I have an extra chassis, so at least I have a second option if I mess up the first one.
0: There you go, give it a try, Josh. And that you know that's what we're all about. Is uh, why are we doing this? You know why are we not? watching Seinfeld on Thursday nights because we want to, (laughs) because we know that if we can do it, we say it all the time, but we're being serious. If we can learn how to do this, we figure a lot of people can, it's biting the bullet and getting past that, that little fear phase that you have to do, but also helps you in life. Now when I have... You won't believe how many other things I fixed at my house. Oh, yeah. Air conditioning and things that I would have spent a lot of money on.
1: I'm pretty good at LCD televisions. I fixed quite a bit of those just from soldering and doing some things, you know. Now, you know, I, the way I learned soldering, though, was the same way. I actually didn't start off with PCBs, Tim. I started off with wires. My dad, when I was young, he, had, um, he let me do the hedges with, right. with a trimmer. But we had lights that went around our yard. But back then, they weren't solar powered like they are now. There was actually a cable. Okay. That would go along, and what would happen is if I cut one of those, I had to solder and tape it back up. I see. And you would not believe how many times I <laughs> cut, cut that freaking wire. And that's kind of how I got a lot of my soldering skill was just soldering, you know, basically stripping the ends, soldering those two wires, taping them back up. That's, I mean, that's how I got the majority of my soldering skill was just by doing wires. And, yeah. You know, and, and you start with wires, you go to PCBs, and you know, you just move on from there. You know. Yeah. And oh. I mean, you, you watch our videos, you watch uh, Michael do the soldering tutorial on our volume one video. It's a great soldering tutorial for those of you who haven't seen it. Uh, highly recommend it and check that out if you're you're having some fear with it. But I think Josh can handle this. I think so. What do you think?
0: Yep. Okay, so Josh, there you go. Give it a try. Don't get don't don't put nobody in the notes, Josh. You better figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So Josh
1: hopefully answers your question. Sounds like this is within your realm of of, of what's well, the word he knows he can do
0: Expertise. it. Expertise. You just have to sometimes bite that bullet. You have to do it. Just like driving for the first time, you know, by are, yourself or something. Or discharging that
1: monitor, you gotta yep. stick that screwdriver up in there, you gotta feel that pop. Oh, that's,
0: that's half the battle right there. <laughs> if you can discharge a monitor, you can do the cap
1: kit. There you go. So, Josh, hopefully answered answers your question. Good luck with that cap kit. Let us know how it turns out. Well, Tim, we're done with the questions for this episode, so we'll move on to our discussion. And before we get into our discussion letter that we got, let's move into a Dragon's Lair progress update. Now, Tim... Last time you teased that there might be a package that Stan got that had the Dragon's Lair parts yeah, in it. Yeah, it,
0: because he got a letter saying saying you need to go up to the post office. And as honest as I can be, I, that's the last I heard. I, I asked him, I texted him. Uh, for those who don't know, Stan is not won't be with us for probably a while. Stan is in graduate school finishing up his last semester getting his master's degree. Yep. So, it's really tough on him right now. I know he's writing papers, and these names of these papers, Jonathan. I mean, he write the theory on something, blah, blah, blah. He's like, (laughs) you know, it's crazy. And uh, so, I actually haven't talked to him, so we're going to have to get get with him and get an update. But you would think that if it was, he would have called me. He would have said, I got my Dragon's Lair stuff back. So, it looks like it's still in limbo somewhere. Okay, well, that's
1: unfortunate, Tim. I hate to hear that. I'm with you. I think he would have at least told us if that would have been the case. Probably Especially so. Especially we would have gotten an update on it. We feel for Stan. We wish him good luck in all of his schooling for sure. We're going to miss him. We might hear back from him at Pinball Festival. I think there's an outside chance that he might be coming to Pinball Festival with us. And we should be doing a live show from Pinball Festival on Saturday night. For those of you who are looking forward to that, what is that, the 24th, I believe, of March. So for those of you who are looking forward to that, the 24th of March, we should be doing another live episode to cover the Texas Pinball Festival. We'll talk about that more here in the announcement section, though, Tim. I don't want to go too much into that. But, Tim, let's move on to our real discussion for this episode. And we got a great email from Ryan, who's a devoted listener to the show. So, hi, Ryan. Thanks for writing in. And he writes, well, first off, I should say the title of his email is Video Games and Music Don't Always Mix. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so if that teases anything, the title, Video Games and Music Don't Always Mix. So let's read Ryan's email real quick. He starts off by saying, hey there, Tim and Jonathan. I recently went from a few video arcade games and one pinball machine to nine video games and two pinball machines in the last two weeks.
0: Okay. So he's like
1: doubled his collection. That's called in, getting in two the bug weeks. right there, or, each, or a good deal. <laughs> he's got the fever, the arcade yeah. fever, or the Pac-Man fever, whatever right. it is. Anyway, he says the Street Fighter II Championship Edition in a dedicated cabinet that I just bought has a cold solder joint and some blurring on the monitor. Everything was slightly out of focus and the colors were oversaturated, and then the picture would fade in and out with the cabinet vibration. I pulled the monitor, but I didn't have a cap kit to redo the caps. I just wanted to repair the cracked solder and see if I could get it corrected. I got it back in, turned on the power, and the brightness was great and the picture was solid. It was still out of focus, so the next step is a Bob Roberts cap kit, and hopefully, it's not the flyback. I've adjusted the flyback focus knob and it's still not corrected. The funny part of the story is that when I got the machine put back together and shoved it back against the wall, I turned it back on and the colors were washed out of it. It looked horrible and everything was kind of in a slightly colored grayscale. I couldn't quite figure out what was going on, but shortly thereafter I realized I would crammed it right next to two of my tube guitar amplifiers. both. Both with two 12-inch speakers in them. I pulled the amps away, and the color immediately came back, but is now in need of a good degaussing. I couldn't believe that such a thing could happen. The amps were on the floor, and neither were turned on, but just the strong magnetic pull from the speakers was enough to jar the monitor something fierce. Just a word of warning to any fellow musician-slash-arcade enthusiast. I'm sure some tower audio speakers or surround sound components might cause the same problems. Love the show. Later, Ryan from Rapid City, South Dakota. All right. So there you go, Tim. You're always talking about having things close to your arcade games, having speakers next to your arcade games,
0: or air conditioners. Even the design of some cabinets with the speakers up on the sides near the monitor. Sure. Bad design.
1: Right. But in Ryan's case, I mean, he had those two big, you know, those two big speakers right next to him, and it basically took all the color out. Yeah. It sounds like. And
0: another thing that's cool though is, you know, we're always talking about cold solder joints. It literally almost fixes monitor just by doing the cold solder joint. Yep. And uh, and and, and doing that.
1: Now he's saying it's still out of focus, so he's going to try the cap kit, Tim. What do you think about that? I
0: don't think the cap kit will fix his focus issues. If he's having focus, he's probably going to need to replace that flyback.
1: That's what I was thinking as well. Probably more of a flyback. Definitely not hurting anything by doing the captain we always recommend that because it's always a good thing to do while you're in there but it does sound like this is more of a flyback problem that you got here ryan so just talking about that love the story though tim that's why i put in the discussion area of of the podcast was because you just never know what could cause interference with your game true you know that's the biggest thing it could be speakers it could be air conditioning it could be just a number of things and you just never know what exactly is causing interference with your game. So, Ryan, thank you so much for the insight and for your question, and good luck with getting this Street Fighter Two Championship Edition in a dedicated cabinet, Tim. I haven't seen many of those, to be honest no. with you. Most of the Championship Edition cabinets you see are in kits. Right. And the kits, you know, they they look okay. I have one in, that's in a kit cabinet. It looks pretty good. But definitely nice to have that big, dedicated cabinet for that Street Fighter Two Championship Edition. So, Ryan, thank you so much for writing that in. And, Tim, with that, I guess we've come to the end of the show. Right. and we'll go on and do some of our announcements here now tim as you might know we have the american amusement auction coming up our good friends david and sean who run american amusement auctions will be there and their next auction is going to be on march 10th at the mesquite rodeo center in mesquite texas the preview is going to be from 8 to 10 a.m the auction starts at 10 for more information visit AmericanAmusementAuctions.com. and tim they always have really reasonable prices there it seems like sure you know the games go really cheap and like we always say people are always asking us where do you get arcade games from how do you get them auctions are one of the best place to get games try american amusement auctions in mesquite texas on march 10th you'll hopefully you'll be pleasantly surprised at what you find there as far as selection is concerned and price and tim last time we kind of started this trend of talking about different expos that are going to be going on and i yeah. added one to our list from the last podcast but i do want to go ahead and mention all those again for those of y'all who are out there Tim, if you cannot find an expo or pinball or arcade show to go to in March, you're in trouble. Because I'm telling you, there's so many of them going on, you've got to be able to find one in your area. So let's start off with the Louisville Arcade Expo 2012. And that's going to be March 2nd through the 4th at the Ramada Plaza Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky. A weekend pass is $35 at the door or $30 in advance. And a one day pass is $15 at the door or $12 in advance. They like to say that they're bringing back the golden days of arcades by providing a place where people can bring their arcade video games, pinball machines, and classic consoles to play, trade, and sell. For more information, you guys, make sure that you visit their website at louisvillearcade.com. You can pre-register there. And also check out their Facebook page at facebook.com louisvillearcade. If you're in that area, Tim, definitely need to check that one out. Now, we also have a new one that I've added to the list for this episode, the Ohio Pinball and Game Room Festival. It's going to be March 9th through the 10th at the Immedio Expo Center in C- uh, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Tim, I know I'm butchering that. Okay, that's but, all right. Um, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. I hope it's how you say that. So... It's a one-day pass, Friday or Saturday, is $15. And it didn't look like they had a weekend pass on their website, Tim. So you're going to pay $30 for the whole weekend. They said they're going to have over 100 machines all on free play for your enjoyment. And for more details, you guys visit ohiopinballshow.com. Again, that's the Ohio Pinball and Game Room Festival. So if you're in that area, Tim, March 9th and 10th, make sure you check that one out. And, Tim, we also have the Midwest Gaming Classic. And it's coming up on March 24th, 25th at the Sheraton, Milwaukee, Brookfield Hotel in Brookfield, Wisconsin. And a weekend pass is $25 in advance. Or you can get a one-day pass for Saturday for $20 at the door. Or a one-day pass for Sunday for $10. It's an all-encompassing electronic gaming event featuring home video game consoles, pinball machines, arcade video games, and computers. And for more information and pre-registration, make sure you check out MidwestGamingClassic.com. So, Tim, all these different festivals going on in March. But there's one that we're going to be at. Right. And that's the Texas Pinball Festival, the one that we go to almost every year. I think we've been almost every year that they've had it, Tim. And it's my... 10th year. (laughs) There you go. But it's March 23rd through 25th at the Hilton DFW Lakes in Grapevine, Texas. A weekend pass is $40 at the door or $30 in advance. A one-day pass for Friday or Saturday is $20. And a one-day pass for Sunday is $10. There will be over 200 pinball machines, classic video games, and other game room goodies all set up on free play. For more information and pre-registration, visit texaspinball.com. And Tim, we just want to thank all the organizers of all of these different expos, especially the Texas Pinball Festival because we know a lot of those guys, for setting up these expos and allowing people to come in and play their games. It's such a great treat for people, especially people who have never experienced these games. All right.
0: And if we miss one and you let us know.
1: Right. Oh yeah, let us know if you've got one in your area or you know somebody who runs an expo around your area or somewhere else, you know, let us know. We're going to try to put these on here a month in advance at least so you know right now we're doing march it's february you know next month we'll do april ones that are coming up and we're going to try to put them at least a month in advance to give you guys some time to plan but guys find your way to one of these expos it's a great way to meet up with collectors to meet up with people who might be able to help you fix your machines to to maybe even make some trades too tim right so like trade out some games with some people there as well so again Check out these expos that we're listing here, and make sure that you visit one of them if there's one in your area. Great place to meet other collectors just like yourself. Okay, Tim, let's move on to our contact information now that we've given out all of our, all of the good announcements and everything like that. And Tim, before we give out all of that contact information, I wanna mention that we have two new ways that you can listen to us
0: two new ways two new ways new wow ways wow
1: okay like we didn't have enough ways before but we have two new ways that you can listen to the arcade repair tips question answer podcast the first one is on the zune marketplace so if you have a windows phone 7 phone or if you have a zune media player which is kind of like an ipod you guys can now find the Arc- arcade repair tips question and answer podcast on those on the marketplace there and listen to it. So that's a great advantage for those of you who have Windows Phone seven phones or if you have a Zoom player, you can now listen to us through those marketplace apps, pick it up and all that good stuff. Now, if you have an iPod or if you have an iPhone or if you have an Android or if you have maybe even a Palm Pre, there's an app called Stitcher Radio, Tim. Are you familiar with Stitcher Radio? No. It's an app that allows you to download podcasts and listen to them on the, on the go, basically okay. without having to necessarily sync up your phone or your media player and all that kind of stuff. But it's, Stitcher Radio is a very good app definitely good. You can listen to us through there and guys we actually set up a link that you can go to that you can download the app for your particular system if you have an Android or if you have an iOS phone or whatever you have and that's at Stitcher.arcadeRepairtips.com. If you guys go there you can actually download the app onto your phone and listen to the Arcade Repair Tips question and answer podcast through there. Great way to get that podcast if you don't like syncing your phone to your computer and I know there's a lot of people out there Tim that don't sync their phone to your computer. Are you one of them? You probably don't sync your Yeah you don't sync it too much. So Stitcher is a great way for those people to experience the podcast as well so again we're now available on the zune marketplace and on stitcher radio for stitcher check out stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com now tim we'll go ahead and move on with our regular announcements the first one is how you can contact us and that's via email which is questions at arcaderepairtips.com again questions at arcaderepairtips.com that's where the majority of our questions come in from tim as you know All right. and we get a lot of good questions from there and hopefully we've answered a lot of those more recent questions tonight for a lot of people who had sent in those but, again, if you want to send us questions, questions.arcaderepairtips.com. We also have our voicemail line, which you can call. And right now, Tim, we're still holding out until we do that special voicemail episode. But you can still call it. You can still leave a message. 972, the number 8, oh, A R yeah. Tips, as in Arcade Repair Tips. And that's 972-827-8477 for those of you who can't spell on your phone. And, Tim, I always say that, like, people can't spell on their phone. But you know how hard it is sometimes to find the letters Have you ever had that problem? You know, it's it's a little hard. So 972-827-8477 likes to roll off the tongue too, which is another reason I like to say it. So, again, our voicemail line, guys, 972-8-AR-TIPS or 972-827-8477. We also have our great social media outlets. As you guys know, we are on Twitter, and you can get to our Twitter page at twitter.face Twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. Excuse me, Tim. Twitter.arcaderepairtips.com will take you to our Twitter page where we have all sorts of great information, and you can also respond to some of our tweets and send us questions through there as well. We also have our YouTube page, which, Tim, last time we said we were up to 900, and now we're up to 950 subscriptions on the YouTube page since we announced that. So thank you guys so much for subscribing there. But it's a great way, Tim, when you subscribe to our YouTube page to find out when's the next video going to be posted. Hopefully I'll get the one up on doing the rejuvenation on the tubes pretty soon because that's the next one that's coming up. But you guys can check that out. Go ahead and subscribe if you go there. com if you guys want to check out our YouTube page. We also have an iTunes page. And, Tim, we haven't gotten a review in a while. I think we've been okay. at 15 for quite a bit. But we still want you guys to go on there. If you haven't left us a review already, go on to our iTunes page and leave us a review. There's some, there's some, great, uh, some great reviews left there by some, some great fans. We thank you guys so much for that. But if you haven't left a review, check it out. Go to iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com to get to our iTunes music page. And go to your iTunes music player, and you should be able to leave a feedback for us. You know, If, if you like the podcast, go on there. Leave us some feedback. Let us know what you think. And Tim, we also have our wonderful Facebook page, and we can thank Mark so much for keeping that up for us and doing Very the much. great job that he does. And you guys can get to that at com. While I'm on the subject of Mark, Tim, we want to thank Mark for doing the community update for our last episode right. again. He did a good. good job, and it was good to hear you know his thoughts, especially on the ACDC pinball machine. Right. And I, I think he said something about Facey DC. I think that's what <laughs> he called it. And uh, those of you who have seen the Playfield art will know what I mean. But anyway... Thank you so much, Mark, for doing that community update. And thank you so much for maintaining our Facebook page. Again, to get there, guys, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. Tim, we're closing up the podcast. Is there anything you want to add before we head out?
0: I just want to thank everyone again for listening. We'll periodically try to give us some feedback on the live podcast, how it sounded, and so forth like that. Let us know.
1: Also, we'd love you guys to join us in the chat room. We had Josh tonight in there asking us some questions and things. But, you know, guys, let us know if there are certain times that are more convenient for you to do these live podcasts. Let us know, and we'll try to do those at more convenient times for you. Tim, I love doing the live podcast every so often. It really gives us kind of a mix-up you know of things and really you know like i said it keeps me from having to edit which is always a nice thing (laughs) but uh, the biggest thing is that you know it's been it's been a good podcast and we really appreciate all the people who are listening to us live tonight and it's it's been a lot of fun tim i've had a lot of fun tonight Uh, anything you want to say in closing before we head out
0: well thanks again everybody have a great week
1: okay guys well thanks again for listening and remember here at arcade repair tips when you fix the game you you play play the the game game. (laughs) take care everybody
0: Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips question and answer podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under podcasts. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a VARCADE Entertainment production.